Hi, friends, and welcome to the Midwest Mompreneurs Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Snellen, and each week I am going to be sitting down to share honest conversations, real resources, and the tips to help you navigate motherhood and building a business at the same time. Let's be honest, it's not an easy journey when you want to do both, but it is possible. Let's get to it. Hello, you guys. I am back. We have another amazing episode. I know I say that every single time. I think Alex and I could have chatted for hours. I am so excited for you guys to listen into this episode and to introduce you to Alex Owens. She is a Kansas City real estate agent who has built an incredible business. And she is sharing how she started from the ground up. This industry is incredibly saturated and it takes a lot of education, a lot of hustle, a lot of brand awareness to really build a clientele. We are diving into how she creates systems for her business, how she has grown her team, how she stands out on social media and does things differently. And I think there's so much great insight here, whether you're in real estate, want to get into real estate, or run a service-based business where you're wanting to serve your clients at the highest level while also still balancing being a mom. Let's get into this. I'm so excited for you guys to listen. So excited. Today, I'm chatting with someone. I've followed her journey for quite some time now. We met at a workshop event that I was speaking at, and I was blown away by her business or creativity as um, a mompreneur. And today, we're chatting about all things real estate with Alex Owens. So just kind of give us a background on who you are, where you live, and what you do. Okay. Well, I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for asking me to be on your show, which is so cool. Um, I think you help a lot of mompreneurs in Kansas City and beyond. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I'm Alex Owens. I'm a realtor here in Kansas City. Um, I currently live in Leewood, um, but I'm orig- I used to live in Roland Park, so I kind of work and know all areas of Kansas City. Um, I originally actually went to school to be a journalist. So I started off as a news producer on Channel 4 here in Kansas City, Fox 4, did that for a couple of years, and I loved it, Um, and really, uh, you know, it filled up my cup in terms of all of the kind of craziness of the news, the adrenaline rush, all of that, the breaking news, the changing of the schedules. It was really cool. I was always really into storytelling, Um, and I think you went to Mizzou, too, and you understand how wonderful that journalism school is, so M-I-Z. Um, and then I, you know, after a couple of years, I was working kind of overnight shifts <laughs> and realized I just was not an overnight shift person. And so I kind of had to make a hard decision there between my health was kind of suffering due to overnight stuff. Like God bless all those nurses who work overnight shifts. I don't know how they do it, but we need them. So that's awesome. Um, so I had some health stuff that was going on due to working overnights constantly. And then, um, I kind of, the way that news was going was changing and I didn't fully agree with it. So that was another reason for me kind of leaving. Um, So then I went into marketing for a while and I did marketing, social media marketing, content marketing, email marketing, um, you know, a lot of the, um, oh my gosh, what was the brand? 
HubSpot. I did a lot of HubSpot sort of stuff. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, a lot of, you know, you put the content out, the leads come to you sort of thing. Uh, did that for a smaller company here in Kansas City for a couple of years. And then I was offered another job in the same industry. And it was presented to me like, oh my gosh, this is going to be exactly what you want. You're going to be a manager. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And before I took the job, my aunt and my mom called me and they go, don't do it. You need to get into real estate because they both were realtors for, you know, most of their lives. I'm from Chicago originally, so they're in a different market, but they were like, you should consider it. And I said, no, no, I really want to pursue this. It seems like it's what I want to do. Um, did it for a couple of months and it turned out to be not at all kind of what I thought it was going to be. And so then I said, all right, I'm going to pursue real estate. I'm going to jump in with both feet. So I did night classes for a couple of months to get my real estate license because you have to be licensed. Um, and then I just quit cold turkey and jumped right in and started and started building my brand. And um, that was probably the best decision I could have made. It was a tough six months. The first six months that you're in real estate, you essentially work nonstop and make zero dollars. Yeah. As That's what I was going to ask you because it's such a risk. You are investing in your business, even though you're a part of a team, you're having to invest in the, the credentials and the licensing and getting your business launched and started. So what was kind of that process for you? Because I know I had a similar experience of kind of going all in and starting my business. And a lot of people don't think about the investment and the time and energy that it takes to kind of go all in. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, um, you know, I followed you for a long time too. And I know your story of kind of how you went from your, you know, previous job and then you kind of just jumped right in with your business and look at you now, like you're amazing. And everybody in Kansas city, I feel like knows you and uses you. It's awesome. Um, oh, did you freeze? Oh, I no, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, but essentially, you know, I, uh, train of thought. I'm so sorry. We were so talking what was, about, okay, so you, you were like, I'm taking this leap of faith. I'm going to make the investment in the schooling. Yes. What were kind of the things mentally, or even like the financials that you were like, okay, I ha I have to commit to this. Did you like, for me, for example, I was like, I'm giving myself three months. And if I don't make X amount in three months, I will explore other options. What were some of the things that you did when you first launched? Were you like, I'm going to invest in this, or I'm really going to learn more about this. What were some of those steps that you had to take in order to get your business off the ground? Very good question. Okay. So essentially I, you know, it was, it was a decision that my husband and I made together because we'd only been married for, I don't know, six months at the time. Um, you know, we had finally joined our finances, all that. And so knowing that it could be several months before we saw any money come in, um, we had to live off of his paycheck completely. Um, and my husband has a good job, but he does, it's not like he makes outrageous money and we can live off of his income. It's just, is not doable as I think most couples are these days. And so, um, we saved up as much money as we could before I was able to make that jump. We wanted to have at least a year of savings where we could live off of that. Um, you know, cause we could at the time, you know, he could cover our mortgage and groceries, but like emergencies, things like that. So we saved a year. Um, and I would recommend to anybody that wants to get into real estate, make sure you have at least a year saved. Um, mm -hmm. because if you make that jump, especially if you don't have a spouse, 
there's no health insurance. So, you know, if something happens, like you really need to be covered. So luckily I was covered under Jason's insurance. Um, and we said, okay, let's do this. Let's give it a, a year. And in one year, you know, if, if things aren't moving forward and looking like this could be a good career path, we're going to really struggle living off of, off of this income at plus Jason's income. Um, and I need to go back to a traditional sort of job. So in the first six months, it was a struggle and, um, you know, nobody wants to really work with a new agent. And I understand, you know, um, until you really have that reputation built up and you have more deals under your belt, you just don't know exactly what you're doing. Um, the benefit that I had was I joined a team and I joined the Mulfer and Associates team. At the time it was Kristen Mulfer and Associates. Um, and we've kind of done some rebranding on that front, but um, that was beneficial for me because I had people to lean on, to help train me, to mentor me. And that was a big benefit, I think, starting from scratch. I mean, if you start as a solo agent, there's plenty of opportunities for you to get help there. Um, but I think it's also really easy for you to flounder if you don't have if you're not in the right brokerage or, you know, you don't have to be on a team, but if you're not in the right brokerage and have the right support, it's really easy for you to flounder, to get lost. But you also have to be super um, self-motivated and self-starting in this industry because nobody's going to make you go to the office. Nobody's going to make you make calls. Nobody's going to make you do open houses. I mean, you don't have to do anything and then you make no money. So, um, you know, I really, I took as many classes and courses as I could at my brokerage. You know, they offered certain training hours, a couple of days a week. And I went to like everything I possibly could just to like absorb it all. I read books on real estate, um, you know, really about how to be a, a good agent and how to represent my clients. Well, I asked so many questions. Like there's a couple people on my team who helped me a little bit more when I started and super grateful for them. I probably annoyed the crap out of them. Um, but they've helped me a ton and I still look up to them. I still think they're some of the best in the business. And, um, and then obviously like KCRER, so Kansas city association of realtors, they offer classes as well, which, you know, we have to do training every two years to keep our license. So we do have to do continued education. And so taking classes through them that would also help educate me more, not just like the, cause you could take BS classes and just get your credits, but I wanted to take stuff that would you know, you can do other classes um, and take more than the minimum 12 to help you kind of build this knowledge. And so I also did a ton of um, meetings with other people in the industry, bringing people out to coffee, asking other realtors that I respected. I still do that too. I will still ask somebody in this industry who's been in it for longer than me and has a different point of view or works a different area or different types of clients. So I can keep learning and network as well, because networking is everything in this business. Mm -hmm. um, while other agents are your competition, they're also your friends and you're going to work with them. And so you want to have a good working relationship with them. You don't want to keep them at an arm's length. You know, you want to be friends with them because that could put you at an advantage if they have a listing and you're bringing a buyer and there's multiple offers. Yeah. Might oh get, my gosh. Get that so one. much good nuggets in here because one, um, I know some people who start a business, they don't have the luxury of having a team, but even for myself, when I started, I started trying to find the best, um, 
contractors or people that I could surround myself with to essentially become a part of my team that I could lean on, looking for mentors, looking for people that you feel aligned with. And I'm sure for you having like the right um, partnership in your realty office was a huge move for you because it's kind of setting up your path for success. And then I think the networking piece is huge. And uh, and I love that you said the coffee because all the networking I did when I started was face-to-face, in-person. I know it's really hard with COVID, but even getting on a Zoom or having a conversation like we are now, um, I think there's so much value in like getting to know other people in the industry and having those relationships. And you definitely don't want to tarnish your relationship in any way. So I feel like that is so it's, it's basic and everyone knows this, but I think it's just an important reminder that these are the things that you have to do if you want to um, create a business where, I mean, I'm sure referrals and connections are all through relationships that you've built too, when you started to build your clientele. Yeah, exactly. So whether, I mean, whether it's another agent that I'm meeting with, because, you know, they might get out of the business and they might refer to you one day, or, you know, they might move to a different part of town and say, you know, I just, I can't do the drive anymore to North Kansas city or wherever it is. So, um, can I throw you some business and, you know, I'll refer them to you. So there's, I mean, there's that, there's also the benefit of being able to call somebody and say, Hey, I've got this listing. It's in a part of town. I'm not an expert in you are, can you come give me a price opinion? And, you know, that's really important to be able to have those relationships um, with other realtors, but then also networking just within my sphere of influence, because that's, I mean, that's been a big part of how I've built my business is mostly word of mouth referral sphere of influence people that are or that already might know me um, to some extent and so um, that's kind of how I started I, I really started working with a lot of people who already kind of knew me were friends or people I went to college with um, but then I did I mean I also did a lot of open houses and just worked those really hard and kind of um, was a bit of a bulldog and would just call people until they'd be like, yeah, no, we're not interested or like, okay, yeah, let's go look at homes. So without being annoying, of course, it's, it's a fine line. It's really hard. So I was, I, I kind of tried to discover as many avenues as possible. Um, and then leaning heavily on education within my branding and my social media. I, I, you know, I started when I started in 2016, um, you know, I, I just, instead of starting a business account on Instagram, I did start a business Facebook page just because that was important to have, you know, to have like a place to go, okay, this is where my brand is. But I still do now most of my marketing on my personal Facebook page and on my personal Instagram. I never started a business Instagram page. I just, I knew I'd be starting from zero, but everybody I wanted to market to was right there. And so um, I just, put everything on my personal page. And I think I kind of got into it before social media became like the way realtors did their business. Um, it's super saturated now. I, it's getting harder and harder to stand out. But um, I think I've built a little niche for myself where I know like people can do what I do. People do, you know, other, other agents, I see people doing the same things all the time, but they're not me. And I know you do a lot of that on your social media where, and you talk about that where it's like, other people can do the same things, but they're not, they're not me. They're not getting my perspective and my truth and my, you know, my knowledge. And so I try and bring that to my social media and really educate people on the process and what it takes, not just like, here's this listing, sell, sell, sell. 
Yes. That's kind of my, I love this. And I've seen your, I've followed you on social media for several years now. So I've seen the progression and just to break it down even further, you just have one Instagram account where you are sharing your, your journey of when you became pregnant, when you became a mom, balancing the business, going to showings, bringing your daughter to showings, um, doing contracts late at night. I mean, you're showing all of it behind the scenes and it is related to your business, but you're not just showing the traditional, here's a house for sale. Here's a house I just sold, which is what we were seeing so for so long on most realtor pages on social media, where it was just like cut and dry, an exterior photo of a house um, with some specific details. And you kicked off a few series that you were doing regularly. Like you were doing, is it Tuesday tour or you're yeah. doing kind of like, behind the scenes where for a long time, um, realtors didn't want to show you too much inside of the home because I think they were probably afraid of like, I don't know how the logistics work, but you were like, okay, I'm actually going to take you in. I'm going to show you how I walk through the house, things I'm looking at, things I find that I really love. Um, you share the tips that are more like the logistic, the education side. So you really have built this nice strategy for your social media without it seeming like there is a strategy because we're kind of just getting to know you and follow you in your day-to-day as a business owner. So how do you balance that? Do you plan in advance? Do you look at your week ahead and say, okay, I know I'm going to this home that I want to show. Like what is kind of, how are you balancing all this as a business owner and a mom? (laughs) Balance is um, fictional. It does yes. not exist. <laughs> okay, juggle but, is probably um, a better word. How do you juggle it? It's a great word. Yeah. You know, you, it's like, okay, if there's five balls, I'm keeping about three in the air. But, um, you know, we do our best. I have a great support system. Oh my gosh, did I pick the right partner in life? He's been amazing. He, my husband actually got licensed when I was pregnant of his own choice because he was like, you're going to need the help. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And so he helps me sometimes. Um, but he's also a great help with our daughter. Um, but essentially, I mean, in terms of content planning, so I came kind of from that background, right? I mean, I I came from the journalism, like, okay, I need to write stories and I need to do it quick and I need to make them punchy and interesting and all that. And then I moved to the marketing side where I kind of used that, but spun it and planned a little bit more and did a little bit more of, Um, okay, what can I put out there that would draw people in? What would interest them? What do they want to see? Who's my target audience? Um, So I feel like my brain is this weird place and I know all of these things and I should have a content calendar and I try really hard, but I'm not that great at keeping a content calendar. You know, I know every week I'm going to do my tour Tuesday. So that's like an easy thing. Um, And then honestly, what I just do is I know that like, I'm kind of like, I'm a realtor first, but social media is just part of my job. And that's just something I do every day. And I just know that it's part of my day and that I'm going to do at least, you know, a couple of stories every day. And I need to do at least one post every week or roughly something like that. So I'm not great about keeping to a strict calendar on that, but it's like, it's very weird. I just, it's kind of like intuitive to me. And it's just kind of second nature. And I just know, okay, I need to do a mix. I don't want to just do, it's all this, it's all home, home, home. Look what I sold. Look what I sold. Look what I sold. Like, yes, I do that. But at the same time, it's like, hey, did you know that like sewer inspections are a really big deal? And if you don't get a sewer inspection, it could be an issue. Or did you know that stucco can be a big problem if it's not um, 
you know, installed correctly. And maybe if your home is all stucco, you might want to get a stucco inspection. So kind of adding in that um, element of like, I'm a helper and I'm educating people and I'm still doing that storytelling of um, things that you kind of need to know. Um, and then honestly, I just, my phone, I probably need a new phone. I did the, um, like the Google photos thing so that I don't have my phone backed up with so many photos. It's disgusting how many photos I have. <laughs> so I just kind of keep, I take a annoying amount of photos and keep them on there. And then, you know, if I'm having a light day in terms of content, like I didn't have a lot of appointments because I've been at least, you know, out in homes because I've been meeting with a lot of clients on zoom or whatever, um, that I have something to kind of fall back on and I can pull that up, uh, or, or tips or buyer needs or whatever. Um, so it, it's kind of ever changing. I am not the best about keeping a content calendar, but there's a few things that I know I'm going to do weekly. Um, and that kind of helps me at least stay consistent with my marketing. Yeah. And I think, um, one thing that's really notable is how much emphasis you put into stories. I think a lot of people are still prioritizing what they're putting in their feed and having like the perfect photo, the perfect graphic. And sometimes when you just hop on and you can tell you're in your office, you're learning something, going through something, wanting to keep people aware of what's going on, especially in this last year, how everything's been so crazy. You're sharing mm -hmm. tips, you're sharing advice, you're sharing knowledge. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, people hire people. So if we feel like we can connect, if we feel like we're learning, we're gaining that value from you, then we trust you because anyone can create, um, anyone can post a photo of a home, anyone can put a graphic up, but if they hear your voice and they can connect with you emotionally and have that, that conversation, it feels like, I think that's where the magic happens. And a lot of people that are trying to build a professional business sometimes forget they need to show up as themselves and, and share what's going on and behind the scenes and all of that. I agree. And I think you do um, such an amazing job of that, of showing up daily on your Instagram and on your stories. I mean, cause you're a stories first person too. I mean, every day I'm like, Oh, what has she done today? And I'm, you know, popping up and, and I always want to watch your stuff cause they're informative or they're just like human, you know? And that's also kind of part of what I don't want to lose touch of is like, yes, I'm a realtor first. I'm also a mom and that's part of my life. Um, and I'm a human you know, and my life, even though, and I think kind of part of what we were talking about earlier, the whole like real estate is sexy right now, you know, and what people kind of see realtors as on TV, it's really not probably what it's like in real life. So trying to show people realistically what my life is like, like I don't wear six inch Louboutins <laughs> to go show a house. You don't? <laughs> I yeah. do not. So um, that's just not me. That's not really Midwest. That's not Kansas City. Um, and like, I don't, like people always ask me if I watch Selling Sunset or Million Dollar Listing. Um, no, I don't. I honestly, I don't even have cable. <laughs> so I don't really watch that. I tried to watch it on Netflix, the um, Selling Sunset, and I got through like half an episode and I was like, oh gosh, this is just reality TV. There's no actual real estate in this. Like, yeah, I like to watch, you know, real estate stuff, but it, it's become, I think people assume that it's a really sexy job and that you don't really have to do a lot of work because your calendar doesn't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to be there at nine and you don't have to leave at five. But what people also don't see is um, like, I mean, I'm also working at all sorts of weird hours. Like I'll go 20 days straight without a day off. 
you know, yeah. and I'm working crazy, crazy hours. I'm up till late, late at night. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm solving people's sewer issues. I'm solving like all sorts of weird stuff. And, um, at the same time too, there's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, it's fun because there is a lot of adrenaline, right? It's like, oh my God, I got this sale. Or like, I found the perfect house for my client, or I did a really good job and like helped my client sell their house. And I, you know, I did a perfect job with my marketing and it really paid off. And that's, that's so rewarding when you get to help your client, um, accomplish their dreams. That's like the most rewarding feeling and the adrenaline is super high, but there is, there's no promise in real estate, just kind of like how your industry is, you know, like there is no promise. There's no base salary. It is commission only. And so there's a lot of stress with that too. Um, and so (laughs) if I showed one day, maybe I'll do like a, here's a day in the life. But the thing is like the day in the life, it's so different every day as I'm sure it is for you. There's no typical one day. Um, so I, I, I'm trying my best to show people also the reality of it because it's not, I don't think it is exactly what people think it is. I think being an entrepreneur it has become over glamorized in general. Yeah. Like everyone is saying, take the leap, start the business, do the thing. And that's great. And I believe in that, but you also have to ask yourself, like we were talking about earlier, earlier, are you self-motivated? Are you going to wake up early and get to work and, you know, go into your home office and feel motivated? Or are you someone that needs a boss or needs a team surrounding you? Like what is kind of your personality when it comes to work? What is, what drives you? I actually, um, and I want to talk about this, but I've recently been focusing on growing my team and, um, I always am getting people wanting to work for me. And when I go through application process or hiring process, I'm trying to gauge, like what is really their end goal? Do they want to be a business owner and just learn from me? And that's great. I mean, I've worked mm-hmm. for other companies and I learned amazing things and I have a mentors from those companies, but like, do you, what is really your driving factor? And, um, if the people that I want to hire are ones that are like, I want to work around a creative team. I'm really focused on this specialty thing. And, and that's what I love about being a business owner is that, um, yes, I can create dreams and I can, you know, create my own salary and do all these amazing things. And I, but nurturing a team and growing a business, um, is really, that's what it is to be an entrepreneur someone that's making money and, you know, doing things their own way. And anyway, I, I, and yes, I'm the one that's staying up till midnight, sometimes working on the not so fun things and dealing with the accounting and the, and the taxes, taxes. <laughs> um, and all those, like, I mean, everything is over glamorized. Even if I do an event and it looks super fun on the outside, people aren't seeing the budgeting and the, um, the logistics side. And you can't, as an entrepreneur, just say, I only want to do one thing in the business. You have to be willing to do all the things. Like I have yeah. cleaned toilets before for at oh, events. Me too. I How mean, funny. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be willing to be the person that's going to go run to the grocery store and get whatever the flowers that you need to make the house look good or the event look good or whatever the th- those last minute details are. And, and I just think that, um, the more we talk about it honestly and openly, then hopefully people don't feel like, being an entrepreneur is the end all be all because you can be really successful in a specific niche. Anyway, that's my little tangent of the day, but I know. I mean, I agree. I get people constantly reaching out to me that being like, Oh, I think I want to get into real estate. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's a great career. Um, 
filled with a ton of opportunity. So I get it. I think with any industry, if somebody sees somebody who's successful, they're drawn to that. Um, so that's no surprise that people are like drawn to you and they want to get into the industry. But I think a lot of times people's expectations don't really align with reality. And so having to like tell people the truth and be like, Hey, I know this looks so wonderful on the outside and it's wonderful on the inside too, but you have to be prepared for what it really is because there's parts of it that I don't show people because they don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's be real. There's parts of your job. People don't want to see. It's not fun. It doesn't show well on Instagram. Um, like, I'm not going to get on there and complain because my client lost in a 20, you know, there were 20 multiple offers on a listing and we lost because they didn't have enough money down or something. Right. That happens all the time. You know, like, yes, I, I tend to have a good track record in terms of people winning in multiple offer situations, but there are things that are out of my control. I can't control and I, you know, it's, it's hard and it's upsetting. And then there's, so th there's that part of the business. And then there's like the part of the business, like you said, it's like in the background, staying up till two in the morning in putting stuff in the listing. Cause it's got to go live the next day or, um, you know, a listing flipped and it's got to go back on the market because of reasons you can't control. And same thing, you're like double timing it to make sure everything is, is perfect. The things that need to get fixed are fixed and you're calling contractors and you're scheduling stuff all while juggling multiple things. Um, so I think a lot of people, their expectations aren't aligned with it. And they think, oh, I want to be my own boss. Like Gary V. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's be an entrepreneur. Yeah, like, I know. He's great, right? Gary V is great. True. But I, yeah, I just, somebody told me about this show today. They were like, what do you think of this show? And it's called The American Dream. I guess it's on CW or something. And I looked it up and I watched an episode or two and I was like, this is paid advertising. This isn't a real show. And it just featured people who were like realtors in different areas of the country. Um, but it featured people that like, I was like, mm. it was very interesting. I don't know. You should watch it sometime. Yeah. Um, well, and, okay. So here's the other thing we recently, well, not recently, two years now, but bought our second house. Um, and it, it was a funny situation because we used a friend a realtor and we lived in Brookside for seven years. And so we thought we would stay in Brookside. And so we probably toured, like, I don't know if toured is the right word, but we looked at like 20 houses in Brookside. And then at the last minute, I was like, actually, I think we need to expand our circle. And so even though our realtor probably made a great commission from selling our house over asking and then us buying a house over the original price that we set, I'm sure he did great, but like, this was like weeks and weeks of us figuring out what we wanted and being very indecisive and probably incredibly difficult clients. <laughs> so it's like, you're working, 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 and you don't get paid until everything is signed, sealed and delivered. So I think oh, yeah. that's something interesting too. It's not where you're just getting your monthly paycheck guaranteed. You have to, um, there's no installments, you know, like yeah. there's no like, okay, there's a retainer fee. You're going to pay me so much up front. I'm going to do some of the work and then I get paid the rest at the end or something like kind of how lawyers do it, or they have an hourly fee. Um, so yeah, exactly. We get paid our commission at the end and it's, you know, we're commission only and a lot, a lot of realtors, like we don't make the full 3%. Um, so that's like another misconception People are like, well, you make 3%, you must be rich. I'm like, ha 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 ha. No. <laughs> Um, but yes, we put in a lot of hours up front 
hoping that we get the payoff at the end. Um, obviously, it's something we're more than willing to do, but there's plenty of things don't work out. Buyers end up having to drop out of the market or the listing doesn't sell or, you know, people decide that they're not going to sell anymore. So yeah, there's a lot of um, time and energy that you're going to put in and you're not always going to see a return. So that's um, hard, but it's part of the business and you just kind of have to learn to get over it and grow thick skin. But that's also why I think to be a successful realtor um, and to be good in this business, you have to be able to just roll with the punches, but also you need to kind of be able to diversify yourself, if that makes sense. And you kind of have to work with a lot of people at the same time, because if you're only putting all of your energy into one person and they take three months or more to buy a house and then it falls apart at the last minute and you weren't working with other people, like you're going to make no money. So um, I think there's something to be said about like 20% of the agents do 80% of the business as with kind of any industry. I'm sure you see that too. Like, um, you know, there's 20, there's a ton of people in an industry, but 20% of those people do a majority of the business because they know what they're doing. You know, they're going to educate you and they're going to deliver. And so kind of being able to just do that, like you're more than happy to do those things, but you have to kind of diversify and keep yourself rolling and also just like have trust in yourself. I'm trying to learn that a little bit more, but um, just know that like, I'm, I'm big on like my daily affirmations. I'm trying to be better about doing that every day and journaling every day and knowing like who I am at my core um, and like what I'm here to do and who I want to help, which is everybody. But like, you know, me at my core, if things don't go my way during the day, which is, it's never going to go your way all, the, all day, every day. But like, if I know who I am at my core and I like myself, then it helps me propel and move forward and look to the horizon to bigger and better things and know that I'm going to continue helping people even if I had a rough day. So um, yeah, there's a lot of that in real estate that I don't think a lot of people talk about because it's, it's not really a fun thing to talk about. It doesn't attract business to you, you know? Right. And do you have an ideal client or do you, I mean, do you ever turn client inquiries away? Because I know that's a huge thing for me is where I'm always like, okay, gut check. Is this, are they checking off these boxes for me? Like, but how does that work? Because it's so different in the real estate industry. Do you feel like you can attract one type of client or two? I mean, what does that look like? I have so many different types of clients. Um, I mean, ideally my perfect client is just somebody who's motivated, you know? Um, so like, they, they know what they not like people change their minds all the time. I guess that's not really the case, but you know, people who are ready to learn and be educated and who will listen to my advice, I guess that's really my ideal in terms of location price, whatever. Like I work with everybody. I've sold $70,000 homes. I've sold $2 million homes. Um, and in all areas of Kansas city. So that sort of stuff, that's not really in terms of ideal. I think ideal is just somebody who I kind of look at myself as an advisor. I'm not just a realtor. Like I'm an advisor and I'm here to educate you and be your partner. Um, and if you can't be open to what I'm telling you and it goes in one ear and out the other, and then you get frustrated because you didn't listen to what I said the five times I said it, that tends to not be a good fit for me. So if I can tell from like our initial consultation that they're not going to want to listen to me, or their expectations are totally off and what I'm telling them isn't really 
making headway, then I'll be like, you know, maybe this isn't the best fit. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I feel like most people, they do trust me. They understand that I do this for a living. I do this every day. Um, I have a really good pulse on the market because I, I do work with a lot of people in so many different areas. I really do kind of like, I can tell you, Hey, this is what it's going to take. Yeah. And I'm usually right. And then, you know, sometimes people don't get it and they go, Oh my God, that sold for exactly what you said it would like, yep. Um, so I think most of the time people get on board and they understand that and they're like, yes, I want to know what you have to tell me. I want to learn. Um, because that, that's so important to a successful end. For yeah. A client, and that also know? takes like, you as the business and business owner, setting the standard, guiding the client. I feel like a lot of those bad situations where you don't have the right relationship or it doesn't work out is usually if like the business owner, like myself or you aren't guiding the ship, aren't like saying, this is how it works. These are the steps we're going to take. You have to be confident in what your process is like and keep them always informed and aware of what's going on. Because if you aren't holding their hand or leading with confidence, I feel like that's usually when those things kind of fall apart. Exactly. And I think you you tend to talk a lot about that sort of stuff on social media. You are so good about like planning and um, having that process. And I, I know you've talked about some of this on social media in the past in terms of, you know, um, essentially telling your client what, you know, what is expected and, and kind of doing that. And that's kind of part of what we do too. Like I always want to do a buyer consultation or a seller consultation before any paperwork is signed or we even see a house or anything like that. I want to make sure that we're a good fit. Mm -hmm. And then also they understand what that process is. They know what to expect, right? So they understand like, okay, first you got to get pre-approved because there's no point in seeing a house unless you're pre-approved because you're probably not right. serious if you're not pre-approved, right? And nobody's going to accept your offer if you're not pre-approved because this market moves like fire. So having them kind of understand the process, get comfortable with it. Um, and, you know, being able to hold their hand and then they kind of have that, that, you know, eight step process, they can take that with them in that checklist. They can always have that with them so they can refer, revert back to that and say, okay, I know where we're at in this process, but can you explain this a little bit more? And I'm more than like, I know I always have to explain things multiple times because like, if you are a buyer right now, you don't do this every day. Like you do this maybe a couple of times in your lifetime, several years apart, but I literally do it every day. So I know it by heart. So I'm here to explain it to you. And this year, one of my goals was to break down the process step-by-step, step, like very detail-oriented on the buyer side and on the listing side. Um, and I did that and it's helped me be better at knowing, okay, you know, at what point do I really need to educate them and say, okay, this is, you know, it's, it's a checklist for me kind of yeah. to say, okay, here's where we're at. And then also to say, okay, now I need to reach out to them, give them this information. Like at the beginning, it's like, okay, here's a list of lenders that you need to talk to you know, here's the criteria we're going to set for your MLS search based on the information that you told me. Um, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then when you're pre-approved, let me know. And at that point we start looking at homes and then, you know, after we start looking at home, so, so I've kind of, I have this, I always had a process, but now I have it on a spreadsheet. It's a ridiculously long spreadsheet because there's so many, um, details to it. But I think that, um, as a business owner, you have to, especially as an entrepreneur, be able to break down literally every part of your job. And if you're a service-based, you know, company kind of like we are being able to break down that process for clients 
and then also set those expectations of like, okay, so here's what's expected to you of you at this point so that they're prepared for it. Because if you set that expectation up front, they're going to be like, oh yeah, I remember what you said. Okay. I'm ready for yes. it. Versus like, wait, I owe $3,000 right now out of my pocket right now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's just, everybody does that. You know, Cause you know, it, it just makes everything go so much smoother. They're prepared for it. Um, anxieties are lower because this is a high anxiety, high stress mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Not that for me it is, but like for every, you know, I have to care deeply for my sellers and my buyers because so much is riding on this. I'm sure you remember, like as a buyer, you're so anxious, you're so excited, you really want this. And sometimes those anxieties and emotions can cloud your judgment and kind of get in the way of like, oh yeah, what did I need to do? And like, what should I be looking at? And so that's why I'm there to say, okay, remember, here's what we got to do. And hey, did you see that there was like, you know, the roof was really stained and it might have two layers and like, maybe we need to keep that in mind in terms of how we're going to make an offer, things like that. So that they, again, kind of, it's, it's a, okay, I'm going to hold your hand through the process. We're going to get there. Here's all these steps. I don't know. As an entrepreneur, there's just, there's a lot of that. And I think with any, especially a service industry, kind of like you and I, where we provide a service, um, being able to calm those anxieties and walk them through the process and continuing to educate them is key. I also feel like, and I'm not sure how this works for you, but I feel like I land more opportunities by being organized and having that system and process in place from the get-go. So if I get a lead through my email, then everyone gets an email that is, you know, a little bit customized, but pretty much the same. And then everyone gets this welcome packet where they can learn more about me. And then there's an intro homework where they're having, the client is having to do some work at the front. So, I mean, I think having systems and streamlining, streamlining your business is the key to success. It's the key to managing multiple clients like you or I do. It's also important when you onboard team members, if you have these systems in place, so it doesn't always have to be you sending the email. You can say, okay, here's, this is what goes out here. And then you will handle this or however that works for you. But I think it's incredibly important. And you just hired two new people, right? I did. I was just going to say, so, um, well, first of all, I was going to say, yes, girl. Yes. Because <laughs> the process that you have, like I do something very, very similar and it has been so helpful. You know, that was something that I kind of, uh, started implementing immediately as soon as I started on, you know, in real estate. And at the time our team had, you know, they kind of had like a welcome packet and things like that, but I customized mine um, and made it specific to kind of what I wanted. And then we hired an internal marketing person a couple of years back, Kristen did. Um, and she asked for our input and I was like, can we do this? Cause like, I would love to have this look really pretty and have it be. So it was really nice to be able to see my input was, um, taken into consideration. and was a big part of that. And now I feel like our initial, Hey, here's, here's what we want to send to clients as soon as, they become a client or they reach out with interest. Like we have that and there's a process to it. And so, oh, I love that. And I think that that really helps client look, you know, see that you're professional, that you have your stuff together um, and you're prepared to take them to their end goal. And so that I'm so, I love it. And then, yeah, I did. I onboarded two, um, two assistants this year. I'm super excited. It was a long time coming. Um, So now kind of like you said, like there are certain tasks I don't like, yes, I need to be a part of the entire process. Right. But not every single step is 
something I personally have to do. So kind of the same thing, like I have a templated email for several different parts of the process that, because the process is essentially very similar in terms of this step comes per first, this step comes second, this step comes third. So I have those emails kind of templated with, then I change what needs to be changed specific to that client. And so that way my, you know, my assistant Lori can go in because she does a lot of my email and paperwork stuff. She can go in and just say, okay, so this client, this house, okay, they need to drop off the earnest money check at this title company. Also, here's the link for that. You know, if they want to do the e-deposit, they can deliver it right there. Um, also, okay, if we shorten the inspection days from 10 to eight, she knows to, to make sure that to change that. Um, Cause I kind of, as soon as we go under contract, I give them this big email with, all the next steps for like the next 10 days. Um, so stuff like that, I don't have to send that because it's templated and then my assistant knows exactly what to fill in because she's a part of that process. Anything client facing for the most part is gonna be me mm -hmm. talking to the client, um, reassuring them about stuff. Um, obviously all the negotiating, all the initial paperwork for you know writing the contract or negotiating the contract. Um, a lot of, I still do most of my own marketing, like only some marketing does our marketing director help me with. It's mostly stuff that's within the team marketing, but I still like to have my hands on that just because that's kind of my forte. Um, and I think my voice is specific and that's the voice that people pay for yeah. as a listing, you know, with a listing. And so I want people to get the benefit of that. Um, and sometimes you want to hire people that you're like, okay, what are the things I'm struggling with the most? What are the things that I hate doing the most and looking at those and saying like, okay, someone that can just organize these emails for me make sure these templates are staying up to date, making sure that, you know, X, Y, and Z is getting done. That is always the last on my to-do list. Like you yeah. don't have to, um, hire a unicorn. You can hire someone that's specialist in one or two tasks, take that off your plate. So then you can really focus on the area that you love the most, which is selling and client relationship. Systemizing and being efficient with your time and knowing what you're good at and what somebody else can be good at. And also knowing like what is absolutely necessary for me to do like the business. Nobody else can do that. I have to do that. I can't outsource that. Right. Those are the things I have to continue doing. Um, and obviously like bringing in the business that I have to do that, that, that is me is bringing in the business, converting that business. And, and then also again, being a part of that process from beginning to end as that, um, you know, that steady person to keep their anxieties lower and to walk them through the process and to negotiate for them, because that's what, again, that's what they're hiring me for is to be that expert in negotiating and getting them to the end table and problem solving. I mean, that's so much of my job is just problem solving saying, you know, let's look at this from a different point of view. We can still get to that same end goal if we do this and ask them to do this. I know it's a little bit different, but like we can get to the same goal and everybody's still happy. So again, that's also what people pay me for and nobody else can do that. Mm -hmm. That comes with experience um, of me doing, you know, almost 70 deals a year that, you know, I have seen so many different ways things are done. So I have to do that, but somebody else can monitor my email when I am on an appointment. And if it's something as simple as sending a seller's disclosure, that's not necessarily a, that's, that's a time thing. That's not really like a skill-based thing. Yeah. So having, you know, that was something I kind of focused on this year in terms of hiring people was, okay, I need somebody who can help me do some of the the busy work, the stuff that I stay up till two in the morning doing, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like as an entrepreneur, you stay up 
super late or get up super in the morning to do those things that do tend to fall at the bottom of your list because they're not important right now, but they have to be done because it's part of your business and that's how you keep your business afloat and that's how you continue to grow and that's how you operate steadily. So being able to outsource some of that stuff where it's like, okay, like, you know, there's stuff that tends to be towards the end of a transaction for us, again, where it's not really skill-based, it's like scheduling the closing and it's just getting people's schedules lined up. Well, I don't have to do that. My assistant can look at my calendar mm -hmm. and know exactly when to schedule stuff. And that has nothing to do with skill. So um, being able to outsource that sort of stuff and like getting amendments signed has been such a, a relief on yes. me, has given like me life back to my body, <laughs> I feel like, and um, made my husband and my daughter happier because I see them more. And then I, I also hired an assistant because um, I do want to help as, uh, as many people as I can. And, um, oh my gosh, I, I can't be two places at once. I'm starting to realize like, God, that would be my superpower. If I could have a superpower, it would either be to be able to be two places at once and be like Hermione Granger with that little thing that she has <laughs> in one of the Harry Potter movies or, um, or to be able to like slow down time, like click where you can like slow down time and do whatever he needs to do. Those would be my two superpowers. Um, but I hired an assistant. So I have one who just kind of, she's just office based which allows her to be able to focus more on just those tasks that need to be done. And then I have somebody who just does, um, you know, if I'm already booked on an appointment, but we have to get somebody in, she's super experienced. She's been in the business for 20 years. I trust her with anybody as much as they would trust me because I know she's going to look at the things I would look at. Right. Yeah. Like she's going to say, Hey, did you see all that wood rod out there? Or did you see that window was fuzzy? Like it probably is broken and it probably needs to be replaced with a new thermoseal. So stuff like that, that I'm going to call out, she's going to do that. And so I trust her to do that. Um, in this business, and I'm sure you understand this, you just went through the buying process. Be grateful you bought when you did. Things I are getting crazy. I am so grateful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not that it's not a great time to buy because rates are like crazy low. Right. But it's, I mean, you have to be ready as a buyer right now. Like there is no I don't know if I'm going to buy, like you're going to buy or you're not going to buy right mm -hmm. now because the market moves so quick exactly. and you have to be willing to like put everything you got out there. Um, but so that means if a house is listed today, sometimes we got to see it today yeah. and we have to at least schedule it today because if we try and schedule it tomorrow, there might not be any appointments left because you can't do multiple showings at once anymore. You used to be able to be in a house with 20 people at a time. It didn't matter. You could schedule it whenever, but now they only allow one showing at a time. Well, that means there's only so many hours in a day. So they can only have, you know, what, maybe 20 different appointments in a day if they keep those appointments to 15 or 30 minutes in a house. Like that's how quick you have to make a decision. So if you don't schedule early enough, you might not even get a spot. Yeah. Like you'll totally miss it. So having an assistant who also helps me with some of my showings has been wonderful because she then allows my clients who maybe would have struggled to be able to get into a house because our schedules aren't lining up. They're going to be able to get into that house no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to get that Intel then from my assistant and I'm still going to be able to help them. And because I have such great knowledge of every area of Kansas city and I sell in so many areas of Kansas city, most of the time I know what I'm looking at from the photos. Right. You know, I know that area. I know what I'm looking at. I can tell if the photo has been doctored. Um, and then like the little stuff that is hard to see, my assistant's going to tell me, Hey, just, you know, X, Y, Z. So having her for that, and even to sit things like inspections sometimes, cause you know, inspections can be three to five hours. So 
So if I'm at an inspection for three to five hours, I can't go on any appointments, which then, you know, isn't great for my other clients who need to get to the point where they're even under contract. So then having her be at the inspections so that I can then be out showing other clients. So trying to be as effective as possible. Yes. Um, and then I call me during the inspection wrap up. So I know exactly what is going on and I know how to move forward and help my clients best because, you know, otherwise we're sitting there for three to five hours. We yeah. don't follow the inspector around. I'm not doing the inspection. <laughs> so um, I've learned, okay, well, I don't, I don't have to be the person there. Mm -hmm. So kind of, I had to really internalize, and I'm sure you had to do this too with growing your business and growing your team. It's like, what has to be me? I have exactly. to keep doing, but there are other things that they're just time. Like they're not a skill-based thing. They're not something that my skill or my voice has to do. They're just time consuming, but I can teach somebody else to do them. And my client is going to benefit from having multiple people on this team working together synergistically than having me be stressed out and maxed out. Yes. Yes. That's so important. Okay. So you went from going all in on this business to now having a team and like becoming a mom through the journey. I want to wrap up the conversation. I could talk to you for hours, but how was it when you had your daughter? Because I went through some interesting things where I'm very career driven. I'm very Enneagram three. And it was oh, yes. very hard during that newborn trying to transition as a mom, wanting to be very present, but also run a business. Um, and I saw you would bring her to some of your showing. So how was that kind of like for you? Do you feel like um, showing up and being vulnerable as a mom has helped you connect with more people? Like, what has that process been like? Because there's so many people are that are like, I'm a new mom or I'm wanting to have a baby. Can I do this? Can I juggle this? So what is your kind of experience? 100% you can do it. Moms can have it all, but it's like, you can't, you can have it all. You can't do it all. Mm -hmm. And that is the key. Um, and that is what I learned. I had to lean on some help a little bit more. Um, I would do it again though, you know, like a hundred percent, I would bring her on those appointments and do it again. And I do think that being vulnerable and being a parent, it, it brought like a different perspective to the business. I think, you know, I, it made me more human and less of a machine. Mm -hmm. Like I am a machine. Like you're an Enneagram three. I'm an Enneagram three. We're machines. Like we yeah. just do, 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 do check, 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 check our boxes. And we like that. And we, we fulfill ourselves like that. Um, I totally feel you stay at home. Moms have the hardest job in the world, but I like being a working mom. Yeah. Right. And I've heard you say that a million times. Like I could cry thinking about it because I, I connect with you on that, mm -hmm. like so deeply. Um, and I saw somebody share something the other day and it was like, you know, not, not everybody is fulfilled by having 20 children, but not everybody is fulfilled by a high powered job. Like everybody has their own fulfillment. Um, for me personally, I love being a mother. I also love working and being a realtor and helping other people. But I think having a child helped me realize, guess what? Every single person you see is somebody else's child. Somebody else loves them. Like, like they're the dearest thing to somebody else. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like about to cry when I think about it. Um, and so it, I think it's helped me be like, okay, everybody deserves my respect, no matter how they treat me. 
everybody deserves my respect. If they want to treat me poorly, then, um, you know, that's on them. That's a reflection of them. That's not a reflection of me. But everybody I work with deserves my time, my energy, and deserves for me to treat them like somebody they love wants them to be treated. So that I think that helped me just just bring a new light to my business and operate more from a place of love continuously. Um, so on one note, that was like so cool for my business. And I think most people, they, they were like, that is so cool that you're a mom and you're like still doing this and all of that. On another note, I probably pushed myself maybe a little too hard at the beginning there. I did not take an actual maternity leave. Yeah, I didn't either. Don't. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard when you I got four um, weeks, which, I mean, flew by in a second, you know? I took three days. So, yeah. And I'm sure for the, those four weeks, you still probably worked some. Oh, like, I was. It's just, yeah, I was still available. I just wasn't yeah. meeting in person those four weeks, but... Yeah. I started taking appointments a weekend. Um, I was on the phone within wow. three days and I was negotiating deals on labor. There's my, my husband has a photo of me like hunched over like this on the phone in my, in, in the labor and delivery room. But I actually was like, Hey, you know, what? this was helpful because I had to pretend like everything was okay on the phone. Mm -hmm. And so it helped me like forget about the labor pains for a minute, which was kind of cool. Um, but I, I love being a mom. I think that, um, working moms, if you want to get something done, you give it to a working mom because I've become so much more productive. It's yeah. Insane. Yeah. Right. Because you, you have, have to be limited time. Yeah. yeah. And you then have limited time. You prioritize, you know, what has to get done first and you just, you do it and you know how to put others above yourself. Um, not that you have to always put others above yourself because self-care is very important. But, um, I think that working moms could run the freaking world. Just moms in general could run mm -hmm. the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree. hundred percent. I think that being a mom has helped my business so much. It's taught me to bring in help in my life because before I wanted to do everything on my own, it's taught me the, the power in outsourcing and finding people to surround myself with. It's also taught me that I don't have to do it all. I can still be an amazing mom and send my son to daycare and have really great quality time over quantity time with him. And, um, that's, what's right for me and my family. And I think as long as you're happy, then that's all that matters. Thank God for daycare. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> like childcare has been, I don't know about you, but like we had Sophia in daycare by two months. I thought it was going to be really hard. And it, I mean, yeah, like I kind of cried, but I was also like, this is so cool. Like I get I get my day without my child where I get to just focus on work and feel like me and, yeah. you know, somebody else is taking care of her and loving her. And then I get to see her when the day is done. And I'm so happy when I get to see her, you know, again, that quality over quantity time. Um, but yeah. daycare has been, I don't know what we would do. I don't know about you, but like when quarantine happened, like in oh, March. So hard. Yeah. Did you pull, did you pull for it out for a little bit? So, okay. So backtracking really quick. Um, and I promise we will wrap this conversation, but, um, no, that's cool. Ford, I wasn't, I thought Enneagram three, I thought because I worked from home when I was pregnant that I could work from home and, um, take care of my son. So we didn't line up daycare. So I ended up going through postpartum anxiety and realizing I needed help. So I hired a nanny, but I probably didn't get her locked in until he was like 
four months. So I hired a nanny. He didn't start daycare until a year. And that whole first year was incredibly hard. If I ever grow my family again, hopefully one day I will put them in daycare right away because I learned my lesson that it just wasn't meant for me to be at home. But anyway, yes, he was home from March through July and it was incredibly hard. And I had to take a lot of sacrifices because my husband has a very traditional corporate IT job and I have a more flexible schedule. So I was working until midnight most days. <laughs> but yeah. Mama, I feel you. We did the same thing. I was, I was home with her until July as well. I kept her home from March to July. And my husband also, he works in the grain industry. Super <laughs> weird. Um, he works for Bartlett Grain and he has to be there from like 6 a.m. till 4 or 3 p.m. And he sometimes has to work weekends and again, will work during the heavy season like 20 days without a break. It comes with its challenges, but um, he they switched him to like four days on and three days off. So I just tried to pack my schedule with yeah. appointments the three days he was home. And then he was able to come home at like two or three I think he came home at like three o'clock the days he did work. So then I, again, just waited to do my appointments till after he was home. But that was a real challenge. I yeah, think the pandemic was really hard for working moms. And they're saying, the stats are saying most of the people that were laid off or became unemployed were, were women. women because- Did I see that from your account? Yes. Okay, and I- like it's because we had no choice most of the time. We had to stay with the kids and some employers didn't respect that. And I just- Oh gosh, we've got a lot of work to do in this country to help support working moms. And I'm so thankful that I was able to stay home and make it work. And it was a struggle, but we could do it. And man, daycare is a blessing. And our childcare providers and our teachers are literal saints. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Seriously, I'm really glad that they're able to get the vaccine. Uh, it sounds like they're a priority for getting the vaccine and they deserve it because, oh, I mean, you know, they're putting themselves in the front lines every day. They don't know where their kids' parents have been every day. Yeah. Or who's being safe or, or whatnot. So yeah, no, I think um, daycare is, thank God for daycare, super important. This pandemic has been incredibly difficult on working parents, but specifically working mothers. Um, and every single working mother that I talk to has had the same story, but I also feel that there's been this great community that's kind of come of it. And a lot of the working moms that I'm friends with, I don't know about you, but it's like, if we can do this, we can do anything, anything. anything. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll get through, we'll prosper. Next year is going to be like the best year, hopefully. Yeah, I feel good. Well, I'm so excited. Can you just give a shout out um, where people can follow you on Instagram, where they can find you online if they're interested in working with you, following your journey, all of that. Yes. Okay. So you can follow me at Alex Owens KC on Instagram. And then if you look that up on Facebook, you can find me that way as well. Um, I have a website, alexowenskc.com. It is not as beautiful because I don't update it as often, but we also have a website, mulfordkc.com, where pretty much all of our listings are. So if you have any questions, obviously anybody's welcome to reach out to me. I'm pretty responsive and I'm happy to educate you on the process. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This was so good. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Midwest Mompreneurs. I'm your host, Katherine Snellen, and I appreciate you so much. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at the Katherine Elise.